Warning, this podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. And welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I am joined with my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hola. Hello. And today we are bringing you part two into our Nexium mini series. If you have not listened to part one because you're new or you somehow missed that episode, pause this, go back and listen to that first because you will be all sorts of confused if you try to just start here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a quick recap on part one to refresh y'all. We went over the background and kind of some of the foundations and what is available to the public on what goes on in Nexium. Uh, we are going to dive into that a bit more here in a bit, plus court proceedings and when all the shit hits the fan and all kinds of interesting stuff for you. Returning spooksters, we just want to say thank you so much for listening to us each and every week. We love and appreciate you. If you are new here, welcome. Thank you for checking our show out. If you would like to hang out with us on social media, you can find us on pretty much all the major platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is Three Spooked Girls. And if you would like to join our Facebook group where we have a lot of like discussions, watch parties, fun times. You can search Three Spooked Girls Official, or I have a link tree in the show notes that, as soon as you click it, takes you to all things revolving us. We have our second anniversary happening in September, and to celebrate this year, we are having a special live event on September 18th. Uh, general tickets are $10, and our VIP tickets, which also includes like a meet and greet Q&A type of situation afterwards for those guys, for $20. And we are donating 10% of those proceeds over to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, so also a good cause. Mm-hmm. If you would like to come celebrate Bright with us and all of that good stuff, head to our link tree. The place to register is there. Or if you're in the Facebook group already, it's a pinned post under the announcements tab. So since this is a part two, we uh, don't have a drink for this specific episode. If you would like to know what the cult theme drink is, you can go ahead and hop back over to the other one and have that while you listen, you know. But we are going to take a quick promo break. We'll be right back. I'm Elisa Lucas from Best Forevers, a podcast for kindred spirits. I'd like to start a movement where we spend more time loving on our friends because although friends are important to us, they're often in the shadow of other relationships. So if you want to love on your friendships a little bit more, embrace friendship a little bit more, or just appreciate your friendships a little bit more, then this podcast is for you. We'll explore all the different ways friendships take place, share the amazing stories of friendship, and discuss best practices for the difficulties that friends may experience. It's time to embrace friendships because without our friends, who would we be? 
So check out Best Forever's on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the other podcasting listening venues. And be sure to follow Best Forever's Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. When your topic is gruesome murders, wine is an absolute requirement. If you like true crime and all its gory details, and drinking all the wine you can guzzle, then Blood and Wine is definitely for you. I'm Brittany. And I'm Tyler. And in each weekly episode, we indulge in a new wine and bring you macabre stories of crime and murder. We discuss the best... Uh, worst. ...of wine, crime, and everything in between. From well-known serial killers like Bundy and Dahmer, to more obscure crimes you may never have heard of, we cover it all. New episodes every Tuesday. Subscribe to Blood and Wine, a true crime podcast on Apple Podcasts and on all major podcast platforms. Bye. Bye. Well, welcome back, guys. We are going to go ahead and dive on in. I'm going to hand it over to Jessica to tell us about Vanguard Week. Yes. So originally, Vanguard Week was set up to be kind of like their annual convention. And they would have like big get togethers and like praise people and whatnot. But Keith Rainier, or whatever his name is, decided that he had to, I don't know if it was like he or like, I think he probably like mentioned it to someone and someone was like, oh, that'd be a fantastic idea, is to hold it around the time of his birthday. And Vanguard Week, because like Tara mentioned in the first episode, his nickname is Vanguard. Oh, I didn't mention that that was his name. I mentioned he had the video game. Oh, that's right. Yes. (laughs) You're right. So she did mention the video game, which is where he got his character name from, which a lot of cult leaders do. Like they want to be called like father or they want to be called like Messiah or in this particular case, he wanted to be called Vanguard. And basically they would refer to him as like Vanguard. If you were like lower, if you were like part of his inner circle, you would call him Keith. It wasn't like a week because I quote, A week of only seven days was not deemed dignified enough for the nativity of the Lord of Nexium. So, by decree of the vanguard, one week of the year is extended to 10 days in his honor. Meaning, man was like, I think I want like a birthday week and a half, so get on that. And they come together and like the video clips, like if you look up vanguard week, It's literally like a big celebration. They have big meetings. Like, let me put it this way. Like in 2016, I think is kind of like one of their last big years. 2017, like the story broke. They had about 400 quote unquote students. So like people not in the inner circle come to Vanguard Week and you had to pay to come to Vanguard Week. And they would go to this like resort and it was like this basically this really nice ass resort. I think on like George and like they would just basically for like 10 days party it up and they would do like weird things like you would see them like on the lawn like doing like dance numbers there's this video of like Allison Mack who's like singing like a tribute song to him I don't know how big of an ego you would have to have to have the entire fucking 10 days be about like the awesomeness that you are. But in the last episode, we did talk about one of the things in their mission statement, which is that to be praised is to be honored, like basically to like represent. It was like to give someone like the highest form of flattery. So that's what they would do. The highest form of payment was to praise them. And they basically came together for their leader once a year and just had like a big old party. But this also led to like some, you know, not so PG material. There was a lot of like hooking up 
And of course, all lawyers would say it was consensual, but um, it wasn't necessarily. I don't think if you're under the like persuasion of something, of someone, that anything could be consensual. This is another thing. In 2016, almost everyone got sick. Oh, fuck. Except for all the high-ranking people and Keith. Hmm. So it was like all the students got sick. And there's like no way to prove. But basically, they did it to quote-unquote, it was divine proof that the higher rank of Nexium had superior mystical powers. Oh. That's what it was. Like they were like, they were like oh, we, like see, we didn't get sick. But really, it was probably someone like dropped something in their food. Eye drops. Just kidding. <laughs> Make y'all poop a lot. Probably. Who fucking knows? <laughs> I think that's what that is. That's what I've seen in movies. They put like the saline, you know, the eye drops. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then everyone just shits themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. I tried that on my brother once and it didn't work. Darn it. <laughs> maybe you didn't put enough. Or maybe I didn't use the right kind. Maybe it like needs to be like medicated or something, which would make sense. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to ingest that. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, I don't know. That seems weird. And it was my older brother. It wasn't Bo. Everyone calm down. I did not do anything to Bo. Everyone breathe. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. So it's really hard to, like, really talk about Vanguard Week without being like, this is, like, a ridiculous time. Right. People paid, like, thousands and thousands of dollars to come and party because it was this dude's birthday. And he would say, like, it's not about my birthday. But, like, the whole thing, like, every single meeting was, like, praise Vanguard. Give him, like, the praise he deserves. Our leader. But it's not about him. I'm putting this out there. I would like to institute a 10-day birthday celebration for myself now. (laughs) (laughs) If he can do it, I can do it. I mean, no one has to be sex slaves. I don't want that near me. Get that away. (laughs) But, like, if you want to celebrate for 10 days, I will give you a reason to drink every day. My gift to you. We will call it Ghoul Friend Week. (laughs) Ghoul Friend Week. We should just, no, actually what we should do is we should put, since our birthdays are kind of close, we should pick like the the week that's in the middle. Yes. One of the weeks and just be like, Ghoul Friend Week. Done. (laughs) I think around this time, like Vanguard Week is like when all these like high ranking officials, because like they were coming from places like Mexico. One of the, one of the high ranking officials in Mexico with the Nexium was like the former president of Mexico's son. That's crazy. Right. It's like, it's insane. So I think when they all get together, these like crazy ideas come together. And I think this is when like Allison Mack and Keith first started their thought about other types of clubs within Nexium. Let's call them clubs. Oh, God. That's a nice way of calling it. Right. So we're going to talk about <laughs> DOS, DOS, other names we'll get to in a minute. Mm-hmm. But first, I want to talk about Sarah Edmondson just a tad more. Jessica talked about her during the little, like, you know, notable people celebrity section. Mm -hmm. But she plays a big role into, like Jessica also said, like how we even found out about all this. So just to recap, she joined Nexium in about 2005. She was like all about it. Like Jessica said, she ended up opening her own little branch or what have you. She said, you know, it changed her life for the better. Well, when she was doing her thing in Canada, you know, Lauren had came up there and like Jessica said, they became very, very close. And Lauren is very high ranking and very important. Obviously, she's Nancy's daughter, so no surprise there. Sarah said she looked at her first as a mentor. They eventually became really, really close. And not only was she the maid of honor, she was the officiant for the wedding as well. Wow, that's a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. 
One day, Lauren approaches Sarah and she tells her that there's this kind of secret sorority and she thinks she'd be a perfect candidate for it. So this group is DOS, D-O-S, whichever, which stood for Dominus Service, which translates to Master Slave. It's also been called Dominant Over Submissive. Sarah said that Lauren described it as a, quote, badass bitch boot camp type of deal. They tried to sell it as a, like, woman-only empowerment type of group, which makes sense because they're the whole cult is all about self-improvement and things like that. So they're trying to make it seem like this is a branch off that, but a little more elite, essentially. There's that one exception. There was one man involved, and that's Keith. So Lauren explained that women became slaves, but not in a scary way. It was more like a guru to student type of deal. Okay. No, it's not. You could only get in if you were invited by a current member, and it was essentially like super, super top secret. The other chick from Smallville, like, said, you know, like, she didn't know anything about this. Like, regular, quote, members didn't know about this. Not everyone did. Mm -hmm. And there was more to this. So a woman's master, that master had six slaves. And then once Sarah was in, if she accepted and did everything, she would need to get six of her own slaves and so on. So MLM format yet again. So it's like webbing down the pipeline. Everything in terms of these slaves' lives were controlled. Their diet was highly monitored, which included instructions of them fasting and, you know, what their caloric intake was and things like that. They also were ordered to take cold showers to purify their bodies. And they were also told they had to become tolerant of pain. Another thing with this, too, was you only had a short amount of time, like insanely short. I swear I had like I didn't trust my brain with this, but I swear she said in one of her interviews because there's a thing on Hulu Sarah did with A&E. Watch it. She said, like, you only had 30 seconds to a minute or something stupid fast to respond to your master. And if you didn't, you'd be physically punished. And basically their favorite way of punishing was paddling these women naked and also recording it. Yes. That's like earlier when I mentioned Nikki Klein, that was one of her tasks was to like send out the mass respond type thing. Mm -hmm. And she got to help facilitate the punishments, even if it wasn't like her slaves. Yeah, she still did. So basically, I think she was just a fucked up person. (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally. And when a woman is in the process of becoming a slave member or whatever you want to call it, they have to give collateral. Basically, this is something that would destroy their lives if it got out. So, like, it was insurance in a way, so they wouldn't go around telling everybody what the fuck was going on with this little side thing. Right. Collateral included nudes, recorded or pictures, written or recorded confessions of things they have done in their past that maybe they've kept secret or a lot of people don't know about but would be damning to them. And it also could be things like legit collateral, like if they broke any of this, they'd have to sign their mortgages to their house over to the cult or any of their like bank accounts and any other financial accounts, they would have to sign over to the cult, which is fucking insane. Right. Like, no. After you did some kind of collateral to prove like you're all in, it was kind of positioned. Well, you still needed to do one more thing. You needed to do something that would be a lifelong commitment. And originally, Sarah said that Lauren had said it was a tattoo. But uh, if you're familiar with this, you know it's not that. It's definitely more. You had to get branded. 
And as we know now, Allison Mack was heavily involved. She was actually the headmistress. So, you know, her hand was really in that pot. Oh, I totally think she made it up. Oh, yeah. Brought the idea. I think she went to Keith and was like, I have this fun idea and you could be you can be the head of it. But like, I'm gonna be the top woman. Mm -hmm. They also had Dr. Danielle Roberts to perform the brandings. And I mentioned earlier there was an A&E special where they do cults and stuff. And they sat down with Sarah and talked to her. And it's talking about, like, her experience with this and everything. Like, there's no better way to tell it. Like, you guys have to watch it. It's so good. It's just really heartbreaking. Like most cults, you know, these women didn't think they had any choice. They were told, you can leave if you want. But, like, obviously, we know that's not true. Right. Because I think the reporter was like, well, couldn't you have just, like, ran out? Like, granted, you were naked, but, like, couldn't you have left? And she's like, yeah, I could, but it just didn't feel that way. Right. And it, and it goes back to that whole, like, they tell you to suppress that feeling like, mm-hmm. I have a gut reaction. This isn't good. They told me to suppress it. So it's the cycle of brainwashing. Like, oh, red flag. Oh, I'm supposed to suppress red flags. Exactly. Exactly. And like I mentioned, everybody was naked and they had to hold each other down during the branding process. So they didn't have any like how when you watch Asylum or other stuff like that where they have like the straps. They didn't have any of that. They literally made them hold each other down. And she just talks about like just that smell of the like searing flesh is never going to leave her brain. Like it's there forever. I also like thought about it. They use like that cauterizing pen, which is like supposed to be to like cauterize wounds. Because I was like, why does that pen exist? And then I was like, oh, because it has a medical reason. Yeah. My thought was, they put thought into it. Why didn't they just... I know that I'm rationalizing this craziness, but like, why didn't they just make a fucking brand? I don't know. Maybe no, they wanted as least amount of paper trail as possible. I mean, I'm. we made brands for Thomas's like, I mean, granted, they were steak brands because you're like supposed to heat them up and like stick your steak with them. That was Thomas's gift to his groomsmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. So this little symbol that they got on them, it wasn't just some like random symbol. It was actually initials. And I'm sure you all can guess whose initials these were. They were Keith's. And it was said that Lauren instructed them to say, quote, master, please brand me. It would be an honor. And then they'd be branded with that pen thing Jessica just talked about. In a lot of articles, they try to say the hip, but it is much lower than that. It's definitely like the pubic bone area that this is on. And it's also noted that this procedure would take about 20 to 30 minutes per person. I can't imagine. Right. I think about like tattoos and like how long even just like outlines of tattoos take. And one of the things like before I realized it was like a cauterizing pen, I would see the because they like will show you this is this actress's, this is this person's like some of them are like real fucked up. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, oh, they weren't strapped down and they're using a cauterizing pen. So it's like they were literally drawing it on people and having to go over it time and time again because they wanted to sear it into their flesh. It wasn't just like they drew a couple of lines and moved on. Yeah. So Sarah obviously goes through with this. After this traumatic event, as I would imagine, it basically, because Jessica mentioned she does leave the cult. So this was essentially like a wake up call to her. And she was like, I need to get the fuck out. I need to get my husband out of this because fun fact, he was a member as well. And her husband's name is Anthony Ames, uh, just so y'all know. So right before they were about to leave the group, Anthony actually decided he was going to go to the Albany office because apparently they owed him some money. So he was going to go get his money before they dipped. Smart. Mm hmm. 
he had an encounter there and he was actually pretty smart about it because before he went in, he turned on like the voice recorder on his phone and then just stuck his phone like in his pocket. Smart. Mm-hmm. And I was reading about this and I found a little summary of what happened. So I'm going to read that for you guys. It says, quote, Mr. Ames tells another member that Miss Edmondson was branded and that other woman told him about handing over collateral. This is criminal, Mr. Ames said. The voice of a woman who Mr. Ames said is Lauren Salzman is heard trying to calm him, saying, I don't think you're open to having a conversation, she said. And he replies back, you're absolutely right. I'm not open to having a conversation. My wife got branded. So I'm glad he, like, didn't push back on that. He, you know, was like, I know what you fucking did. Right. Because it's like, she was married to not them. And at some point... He would have saw it. Right. Like, if you're married, live with someone you know, eventually you're going to see him naked. And it's not small. It's not like it's this tiny little thing. It's pretty big. Baseball size. Yeah, it's crazy. So, like, Tara's talking about this cult, like, and it's not just, I think that the branding was a wake-up call for a lot of people because it's, like, one of those things where they're like, oh, because, like, Sarah said it was worse than childbirth. She had said I'd had a kid, so I thought, oh, I can take this, but she was wrong. Literally. Ugh. I think I would have just hoped I passed out from pain. But I talked about India Oxenberg earlier, or in the last episode, I should say. She was one of these girls... And she didn't want to leave, though. Her thought was, I'm in this. I don't want to leave. And it wasn't until, like, because, like, the story broke in, like, May or in, like, June or whatever of 2017. But she didn't actually get out until, like, around August of 18, June, August, the summer of 2018, by the way. So she was, like, still in it for, like, well over a year before she was, and she actually, when she got out, Rick Ross, who we talked about earlier, was actually one of the people who, like, did the deprogramming on her. Wow, it's crazy. Right? This episode of Three Spooked Girls is brought to you by Best Fiends. You must have heard of Best Fiends, right? Everyone is playing it, and you should too. I love it because it's the perfect break from my true crime research, but it still really challenges my brain because it's a puzzle game. Right? Which all of you listening might not know this, but I love solving puzzles and games like this are my absolute favorite. But the awesome thing about it is it's a casual game, so it doesn't stress me out, which is perfect these days. This awesome mobile puzzle game is so much more than the average mobile puzzle game. It's five-star rated with over 100 million downloads, thousands of fun levels, and tons of super cute characters to collect. They've created a whole world right on your phone. It's bright and colorful with great graphics, and there's a story about all these cute characters. I love them. I just unlocked Napoleon and love that he wears a cute little thimble as his crown and he holds a little matchstick that's like his scepter. Plus, I love his area bomb power. Right? So cute. It's a fun way to connect with your friends and family while still social distancing. Like me, I haven't seen my brother Bo in a while, so I've been playing Best Fiends with him, and I'm currently in the lead at level 82. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best fiends. 
So 2017 is really the beginning of the shit show end of all this for Keith. Once Sarah got out, like we mentioned throughout this, she was very vocal and she was like, it's time for me to talk about what the fuck I've been through. So she did an interview with New York Times and spilled literally all the motherfucking tea. Like she was like, let me fucking tell you all of the all of this shit. It's like she went and bought a tea house, like a like a tea room, made all of the tea and then like ran around it and spilled everything. Yeah, because literally at this time, nobody outside of this knew any of this was going on. Nobody knew. And even people in Nexium, some didn't even know. Like so many. Oh, yeah. A lot of people were like, what the fuck? Yeah. And once her story got out there, we've mentioned him already, Frank Parlato. He's the owner of the Frank Report, and he started covering Nexium heavily. Like, he had already been doing it, but, like, as soon as he could get details, he started covering it, like, super heavily. You just look up, like, the DOS or whatever, and there's, like, eight pages of articles to go through. Like, he's done so much on this. And then just, like, the cult in general, there's just so much shit. So the combination of Frank's articles plus Sarah being vocal, other victims started to come out as well and tell about their experiences after this. Now, with this, more information started coming out, and it just was, like pouring out. Everything is crashing down. Many people tried to reach out to authorities to get them to look into this to be like, what the fuck? Like, this has got to be illegal. This is not right. You know, that kind of thing. And Sarah actually herself specifically filed a complaint with the New York State Department of Health against the doctor that was doing the branding, Danielle Roberts. But like what happened last time when people tried to report, they said no, that they weren't going to look into it because, quote, she was not acting as Miss Edmondson's doctor when the branding was said to have happened. And then separately, a state police investigator told her and two other women they would not pursue this because their actions that happened there, they were consensual and they had the text messages that showed that. I love that they keep using the word consensual, like they know what it means. They're like, oh, it's consensual. No. And um, funny, because, of course, Keith tried to play stupid and said, like, no, I have no idea about any of this. I didn't know. I thought it was just a little woman group, blah, blah, blah. But there was definitely text receipts for this as well with him talking about all of this. Literally, he was texting during the branding ceremony that Sarah was at. He was texting uh, Lauren during it. Also, there was a text that said, like, talking about the symbol, not intended initially as my initials, but they rearranged it slightly for tribute. If it were Abraham Lincoln's or Bill Gates' initials, no one would care. The primary meaning and design of the brand symbol has nothing to do with my initials. So, see, he talks in these circles, and I'm like, okay, you're saying nothing. Like, you're negating yourself. Does it have to do with it? Does it not? We know it does, but, you know. Oh, yeah. He's gaslighting. He's basically like, you know, he's over there going, oh, well, you know, it's not me. Like, I didn't force them to do it. Of course, they did it because they want to honor me, but I didn't ask them. No, like, this was their decision. And it's like, Really? Because I'm pretty sure, like, if you took people who were not being exposed to this group think and this submersive language that they were in or suggestive language that they were in, they probably would have been like, you know what? No, mm-hmm. I am not going to do this. But alas, here we are. Right. Consent to me in this situation, even if these people were like, they were brought into a room and they were like, everyone's doing it. So, yeah, that kind of thought. But like, 
really the truth is how many of them would have showed up if they were told ahead of time you're going to get branded with like a cauterizing pen. I bet everybody had like kids soccer games that day. (laughs) I got to get up early tomorrow. I got to wash my hair tonight. I got stuff. (laughs) Right. And what else was interesting was that once all these articles on the Frank report started coming out, so like spilling more details on this, all of the girls that were slaves in this were instructed to delete everything that they had. Because it was all in all their collateral, fun fact, was sent in via Dropbox. So they were like, go in and delete your shit on your end. We'll delete shit on our end. Blah, 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 whatever. But you know, those bitches had fucking hard drives of shit, too. So. Oh, yeah. To be honest, Tara and I use Dropbox to like send our recordings back and forth to one another. And you can just take it down and leave it in there at the same time. People don't got to know you took it. Yeah, exactly. So needless to say, shit's hitting the fan and the FBI is involved at this point. So we're going to jump ahead now to 2018 because this is when like shit starts to happen legit. So on March 27th of that year, Keith was arrested and charged with sex trafficking and a bunch of other charges that I'll get into a little bit later. And the next day... We'd already talked about Chris and Keurig, but like a ton of media stories had come out about her, probably just because she was a higher profile member. But it was like everything Jessica already said, you know, she was still having that like, yes, I took some courses, things like that. But I had no idea about this other shit going on type of deal. And then just the following month on April 20th, 2018, Allison Mack was arrested and she was charged with sex trafficking and forced labor at the time. And there's an article you can find on the sources page and it's with the New York Times and she pretty much like, you know, she's taking responsibility for all of sorority shit. And she's like just talking about the branding. She's like, come on, let's get a tattoo. Like the way she talks about it and her attitude, I'm just like, you're fucking disgusting. Right. I definitely think that either she was like severely brainwashed. Oh, had to be. I think it's just really bad because it sounds like she was essentially like a right hand man type of situation. Like she was super high up and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, like she's beyond the point of common sense at this point. So like Nancy is like his number two because like she helped build it. Mm -hmm. But like I think there was like even part of her like in Allison, she surpassed that. Yeah. So my like view of Allison is that Nancy was his number two. But I think Allison was like on level with him. She was probably the only person that was that because I think he saw the potential to grow the organization much more. I mean, Allison, sometimes I feel like Allison is like, yeah, I've slept with Keith. And other times she's like, I haven't slept with Keith. Like, that's not that wasn't our relationship. But I have a feeling that they were in some sort of like weird relationship. I think he saw that bringing Allison in because she was like spunky and she had this fame behind it that he was going to bring in a new culture of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she had a reach that he didn't. Right. And then on July 24th, 2018, there was a bit of a roundup. Claire, Nancy, Lauren, and another lady named Kathy, who was like a prior bookkeeper type of situation, they were all arrested for racketeering conspiracy and was said to have groomed sexual partners for Keith and used, quote, harassment, coercion, and abusive litigation to intimidate and attack perceived enemies and critics, end quote. So, bad bitches. Right? 
And then obviously following this, they started having like their plea hearings and things like that. So on March 13th, Nancy was the first to plead guilty. She confessed that she tracked and monitored women within Nexium, And it's also noted, she says in court, that she closely monitored suspected moles within Nexium as well and ordered people to, quote, destroy videotapes that documented Keith's teachings. Ah. Mm-hmm. And a direct quote from her was, I want you to know that I am pleading guilty because I am, in fact, guilty. I accept that some of the things I did were not just wrong, but sometimes criminal. Sometimes? Like most times, Nancy. Most times. Uh, And then on March 14th, Keith was hit with child pornography charges. The federal prosecutor said that Keith had sex with a 15-year-old girl, the one we talked about earlier, Gina, and this was deemed his first sex slave. He was also accused of possessing child pornography from 2005 to 2018. Yeah, he's not a good person. No. And on April 2nd, Lauren, it was her turn, she admits that she enslaved a woman for two years and also pled guilty. She said that she was a member of DOS and that she knowingly and intentionally harbored an unnamed woman from March of 2010 to April 2012. And what she had to say about all this was, quote, I'm very sorry for my poor decision making and decisions that result in the harm of others and not just the victims in this case, but to hundreds of members of our community and their friends and families as well. And we do know who this unnamed person is. I'm going to let Jessica tell y'all. So this unnamed, if I mean, I think there was multiple people they kept enslaved. But like this person, her name was, they gave her the name Daniela. Like, I don't think that was actually her name. And she was from Mexico. She was brought because at 15, Keith was like, that's my next boo, kind of. And basically... She disagreed with them and, like, fought back on something, and they locked her in her room from the time she was, like, 15 to 17. They would do the whole thing that they did with, like, all of the other girls where they were only allowed to eat, like, 500 calories a day and, like, that kind of stuff. And it's pretty crazy. And then, basically, she was groomed. Like, Keith would, like, be around her, and he basically groomed her. So I think she's part of that, like pornography that they found as well he basically groomed her so that when she turned 18 this is literally what the article said is that they took her to a supply office like part of the office supply room office so that he could have sex with her oh my god how fucking disgusting right like it's not even like i mean there's no good way this was gonna end but like that's even worse like you just i mean he he literally groomed her and then took her to like you know Ugh. yeah is horrifying. It is. And then lastly, Allison pled guilty to one count of racketeering conspiracy and one count of racketeering. And she said, I have come to the conclusion that I must take full responsibility for my conduct. And that's why I am pleading guilty today. And she also admits that, you know, she was obviously in the fucking shit and she's the headmistress and all that shit and that she blackmailed other women with collateral and they went in on all that. And of course, once the news came out about Keith and his child pornography charges, she's like flipped out and she was like, try me separately. So they did. So sentencing, which, you know, here we are. In June of 2019, Keith was found guilty of two counts of sex trafficking, one count of attempted sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy, conspiracy to commit forced labor, wire fraud conspiracy, and racketeering. 
His sentencing was supposed to have been September 25th of last year, but it got pushed back to March 13th of this year, which I'm sure y'all can guess what fucking happened with that. Thanks, COVID. It pushed it back two more times during the spring slash early summer. So from the March date, they had their next date as May 21st. And then from there, they went to June 21st. And now it's uh, adjourned indefinitely because obviously like stuff's so fucked up. But there are rumors because there was an article that was like a couple articles that literally just came out in our time like a day or two ago saying that they're going to try to get all of these people done by the fall of this year and be done with it. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And he's facing 15 years to life. I'm sorry. This is my problem with something like giving him 15 years to life because he needs to have like the not the possibility of parole. Because the truth is, is that if he is this charismatic, he's going to get into this prison system and he's going to be just as charismatic in there. And then when he goes up for parole, which what is it like halftime, he could go up for parole type thing. So like seven and a half years type shit, right? He goes up for parole he could sweet talk his way out and that this will happen again. Yeah, exactly. Similar things happened with everybody else too. But uh, with Claire, she was supposed to be sentenced the same month as Keith. But of course, that got pushed back to spring of 2020. And like she's got those other charges Jessica talked about. Her sentencing is set for September 30th of 2020. So pretty soon. Allison, she was found guilty of sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy, forced labor conspiracy, and she did plead guilty, like I said, to racketeering and racketeering conspiracy as well. But she was actually given a plea deal for info, so we'll see what happens with that. It was saying she was going to get 40 years to life, but with the plea deal, like, I don't know if that's going to come into effect and stuff. And then, like, you know, that's a big difference than other people. It's just ridiculous. Like, yes, she's essentially a ringleader, too. But, like, he literally created this cult. Right. She's getting almost a minimum of three times the amount of years versus him. Right. But we've we've seen that happen, like, time and time again. Oh, yeah. I think part of his thing is that it's like Allison did the heavy lifting for him. So she's like the actual person that went out and found the person who was going to, you know, sleep with Keith, which he just looks like a really awkward looking history teacher. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. But since all of these sentencings should hopefully, fingers crossed, happen in the fall, we'll keep you guys updated on that, on what happens with them. But that is going to go ahead and wrap us up for today. Thank you guys so much for listening into part two of the Nexium Cult. As always, we love to hear your comments and thoughts, theories, etc. So feel free to leave those on socials for us so we can see them. But we will go ahead and sign off and see you on Thursday. Bye, guys. Bye.